Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Well, folks, it is 1 o'clock, and I hope you're having a beautiful day. But right now, it is time for the smoothest operators of Legal 91.1 FM. You're listening to Smooth Operators Podcast, the exclusive home to F1 content here on Legal. And first and foremost, gentlemen, we got ourselves the Suzuka race that we have to talk about. Something unprecedented happened. Something that I think uh, I thought was going to happen later on this season. Uh, I don't know how you two exactly felt about it, but the unthinkable has finally happened. Gasly hit a truck. Nicholas Latifi scored points. <gasps> oh my goodness. We, we said it would happen at Coda. Yeah, we did say it would oh. happen at Coda. Oh wait, we were talking about something. Oh yeah, we were talking about something different. I think. Oh, are we are we talking about um um Max Verstappen being crowned world champion? That does not matter as much. I, as Michael Stephen winning. I, <laughs> getting is points. that what we were talking about? No, no, Don't no. Don't no, let no. this distract you from Gu- Joe Guan Yu getting fastest lap. <laughs> but, Seriously though, Latifi has scored more points than Alfa Romeo and Haas in one race than the other two teams did in the past seven races. And then Nicholas Latifi in the last race has scored more points than Carlos Sainz, so interesting times Ooh. over for the fr- prancing horses. I demand Ooh. this man gets an extension, but please. Now let's just jump into it. Griggs Blankenberg along with Noah Phillips and, of course, Ben McClurkin here again for Smooth Operators. But Max Verstappen, after Suzuka, is the world driver's champion. Second year in a row. To the max was the hashtag F1 was using. Max clinches the his second World Drivers Championship, and and the world is still going on according to Twitter. Yeah, uh, it's insanity out there. Do I think that the FIA should punish more harshly? Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think they should just let it go. And if they say they're going to take a championship, then Red Bull should take that seriously. But they didn't. They won, and they violated the rules. However, we're, we're not talking about last year yet. No, but they did this year too. It's a it's a carryover. So we're gonna talk about it in the later segment. Though, so save that for that. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just catering, man. Come on. On a tangent. Yeah, just catering. But now that Max has won this, and it was a little bit interesting circumstances. Granted, it was nothing like it was last year, but the fact that it was just so delayed, and he found out in the post race interview from Sky Sports. And he was just like, oh, all right. And even in the cool-down room afterwards, he wasn't even sure after he was told that. Yeah, it was kind of unusual. And the way they the way they did the point system on that race was a little bit broken. But, hey, congratulations, Max, who is clearly the best driver uh, this season. He by, knows by he's by still got time. some races left in this season, and he's going to want to win those races first and foremost. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. What is it? I saw the the graphic. He's um, one win away from what we were talking about later, tying Schumacher and Vettel for most wins in a season. Grant, but granted, he they did have more races to achieve that in, but still, still pretty impressive. Indeed. And I think too, also, to speak to that, the cars are much more reliable now than they were. Not if you're in a Ferrari. Yeah, that was good. Boom! That was a good one. It was, was, it good. was a good one, but it hurt. I know. I'm sorry. Exactly. But even. Imagine, imagine Ferrari's reliability twenty years ago, when um, 
Shumi got that record. Like that car either lost by not finishing or won and he won that many in a row. It's just insane. And and the competition they had back then was also very, very high. Mm-hmm. But yeah, still thirteen races in two thousand four for Schumacher, thirteen in twenty thirteen for Vettel, and then Max is at twelve right now. So that's after coming off of what Max did last year, still with all the wins he got, it's still pretty impressive. And now he I think I saw this correctly, he's tied Fernando Alonso on podiums and wins, which is crazy to think about. It is. That's wild. And uh, obviously, he's still got races to come. Oh, yeah. And that car is so dominant that he's going to win at least more, or at least one more. If not Coda, I think it will definitely happen in Mexico. And and, uh, this has been a great season for him. As Lewis Hamilton said, I guess it's boring for the fans for him to lock it up so late. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a sport. Somebody's got to dominate every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, Lewis, seven-time world champion. But granted, Lewis has never won this early, per se. We, even though we thought he did last week, we weren't talking about it. 2019, they sure as heck did. They were blowing away the competition in 2019 and 2020. That was I, – I don't, I don't really have time to hear that argument. Yeah, I'm just – I don't know about that um but let's just talk a little bit more about this race so the results in this one uh verstappen in p1 uh sergio perez in p2 so red bull secured i believe their uh fifth one two of the year they won in japan one in belgium one in azerbaijan one in spain one in italy and hold on what is that one two three four Five, I think one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. So I was right. So five, one, twos now for Red Bull in a year. Last year we only had one, one, two, which was McLaren and Monza with Daniel P1 and Lando P2. So a pretty impressive year from Red Bull all around. Indeed, and it's a callback to years past when teams would just dominate all the time. And uh, last year was a real treat for Formula One fans. And this year is how it usually goes. Not not usually this early. The domination comes into effect, but uh, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the V8 era of Red Bull, the V10 era, Ferrari, the V6 hybrid of the 2010s for Mercedes. Normally, a period of time with a set of regulations is dominated by one or two teams, and this has definitely been the case this season. And Red Bull has handled the rules better than anybody else. Yeah, they have. It's been, it's just been dominance. And they've really, like, after Australia, people were starting to question whether Red Bull were able to keep up with the standards that they were given in um, testing, where everyone thought they were going to be the team. And after the horrible start in Bahrain and then, and then uh, Australia with Max going out early, just people were like, Charles really has got this one as long as they don't mess up. Well, I feel they, messed, they I, messed up. I was gonna, I was going to say, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings too much. No, yeah, well, I'm sorry. They can only be hurt so much. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. spoken like a true Carolina Panthers fan for me. But Ferrari uh, fans are all dead inside. I secretly love Ferrari, though. Don't tell anybody. But what can we equate Ferrari to in terms of like pro American pro sports teams? Teams have won a lot in the past, but not a lot recently. Green Bay. 
Never mind. About to be the New England Patriots. Maybe. Hold Ooh. on. Maybe the Yankees, maybe? Always the most uh, historic team in baseball. Won a lot of championships in the past and haven't won anything since 2009. If you're going to do that, you need to do the Red Sox. The Red that's Sox won like 2018, though. Yeah, but like now we're terrible. That's Yeah, that's been four years. But yeah, Charles P3, but something great for this podcast. We've Esteban Alcon's inferred, so that was fourth. So that was great for this podcast. We talked up, up so highly on our um, Singapore preview and then did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And then now it's P4 for Esteban. So pat on the back for this podcast. Yeah, we really like it when we're right. Good job, Esteban. We're, what are you talking about? We're always right. Always. Always right. Never wrong. Always. Never wrong. Hey, we've been doing good on driver transfers. I'll say that. We have really gotten the transfers. You mean you? We. <laughs> we have. We. <laughs> good, good. That a boy. That a boy. That a way to give credit to the whole team. Thank you for that. Hey, we're a team here. I, I'm a team player. It's like a group project. It's like a group project. Ben does sort of the heavy lifting, and me and Greg skid ace. Yes. Hey, but y'all, y'all have those smooth, buttery radio voices that really keep the show, keep the show going. I've heard a lot of people compliment y'all's voices as well. So we're we're doing great here. We love it. That'd be news to me, but <laughs> yeah. Um, other surprising results in this race. I'm looking th- up and down. We already talked about Nicholas Latifi. So it took him what? 19, 18 races to get points on the year? Yeah. So every driver this year but Nico Hulkenberg has scored. So Congrats, Latifi. <laughs> Goat Tifi. And now he's tied with Nick DeFries for points for Williams this year. So Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. That's really not good because DeVries coming in. He's coming into AlphaTauri, who's going to be interesting next year. Pierre's oh, yeah. leaving after all that time. Yuki's coming back. I think, I think they gave him, what, a one-year deal? I think it was a one-year deal. So it's a make or break year for Yuki Sonoda, but this isn't. Um, yeah, for, so for this race, we talked about this a little bit. Um, I was coming back from a college football game from this one, made sure I watched it, red flagged it within like ten minutes of the race starting. Yeah, and at that point it was what one in the morning. Yeah, Eastern. So no, it was like two in the morning for me. Ooh. So I would. Sit, I went up to my room. I had the uh, race on my laptop. I set like thirty minute alarms on my phone, so I would wake up and check and see if they were back. I said it twice and it worked. Apparently, I didn't set it a third time, and then I woke up around like seven a.m. to see golf on my computer, and I'm like, "Oh no!" Very, very sad for you, sir. I'm so sorry. I missed qualifying and most of the race, which, which sad. were both very entertaining. I'm, I'm so mad at myself. That's at the, the first time I've missed qualifying or race all season. Can, I, I'm proud of your, your uh, commitment to that. I was, it was brutal. On the two a.m. qualifying on the eastern east coast is brutal. Yeah, hearing all the British people complain that about they had to 6 wake up in the morning. Oh, oh my give goodness. me a break! Give oh. me a break! Give me off a piece of that. Oh, wait, I'm messing around. <laughs> Whoa! But any really thoughts from this race? Really, before we go to break, we got some more in the next segment, but we're saving that. Talk more in depth on that. Sebastian Vettel with the sixth place at a boy, and driver of the day still holds the record for most wins at Suzuka. So. Dude, his farewell to Suzuka after qualifying made me very sad. That was got a little misty there for a second. Hmm. Oh, what a legend! I I will say the race, short as it was, and as long as I waited to watch it, and as frustrating uh, as 
watching the the way the FIA handled it still made me very entertained. And when it comes down to it, they're the best drivers in the world, and they do a great job of racing. Chase Briscoe would like to have more. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, that'll do it. When we come back, don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking more about Suzuka and what really is going on in that race, specifically what's going on with the FI and Pirelli. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Smooth Operators podcast. I am Ben McClurkin, keeping it easy and cool with my co-host, Griggs Blankenberg and Noah Phillips. And we got a special guest over there. Yes, we He's do. He's about to come on the radio. It is Daniel Locke, co-host of the Eagles Nest here at Weagle, as well as the co-sports director at Weagle. Welcome coming in, in, Daniel. Coming in to talk a little bit of Formula One. He's getting set up, but Daniel's a little new to the sport, as, in, as am I, but... <laughs> He's made an effort to watch them this year, and we applaud that for him. And he's watched some drivers survive, too, so yes, props up for indeed. Daniel. I just finished season three, wow. and I I love when George is doing good on a Sunday morning and Griggs calls me. That's <laughs> that's the good parks, and I get to watch him. But my goal is, um, since the Texas Grand Prix is a week after this, my goal is to watch it. So, so, uh, can't talk, sorry. My goal is to watch from start to finish. Since mm. Wow. I don't think I'm going to have to wake up too early for that. Right? No, you're not. No. Oh, let's go. Sir, you mean the United States Grand Prix? Oh, it's is not that the Texas called? Grand Prix. Oh, my gosh, Daniel. My you can How dare it, you? You can huh. call it whatever you they want. They should go race at uh, the Texas NASCAR. People track. call Monte Carlo Monaco and Monaco Monte Carlo. Who cares? It's all a region. It's a race in a place. It's a, two, ah, it's a, a race two, in a place. Oh. It, it's a 2 p.m. So I'll okay, be in, sweet. Yeah. But what, let's get into what we were talking about real quickly. Um... So the big story out of this one besides Max winning was the FIA tractor craziness where a, tra- a tractor that was going to remove a car on track almost hit Pierre Gasly in interesting condition and really undrivable conditions. And a collision with that would have resulted in most likely significant injury and possibly death. Yeah. Um, so And the, all the drivers really took to some – even drivers during the race while they were um, – sidelined because of the rain we're taking to twitter about it so what'd y'all really get from that we can start with ben and go over to noah yeah i'm really upset i just got flashbacks from 2014 with Jules bianchi and his marussia going into the crane with their yellow flag mistake and that was that was a really scary moment and especially just the connection that pierre and Jules had as frenchmen and what was going on in each scenario, it was it was it was a little bit different. The tractor was on the track, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you're right. And Pierre almost slammed into it. I mean, that's that's got to be horrifying. You're going down the road at 115 miles an hour, which is still very fast. They're going at like what, 40 percent, 60 percent, something. It was like behind. That. I think it was that one at that time. It was a regular safety car. So yeah. Yeah, but Pierre was trying to catch up to the safety car, so he was going full push. And then. That. And the tractor was on the track, and there was spray being thrown up everywhere. And then you, if you watch the video, out of nowhere, there is this very, very large piece of heavy equipment on the road, and you can't see in front of you until the last second. It's unacceptable. It, it's really fear, infuriating. It is unacceptable. And uh, for all the listeners out there, if any of you have ever ridden test track before, it's like – when you're coming out of the uh, one of the last section zones and you almost hit that truck, but obviously, yes, it is unacceptable for a, tra- a tractor to be on the 
track at a time like that. It didn't take long for me to catch a reference. I'm impressed with myself. Thank you, Dan. Good job, Good job. But he yeah. could have died, seriously, folks. He it's, could have. It, it, it's crazy to me that they – I'm surprised they didn't – you got to pick somebody off of a track like that, you need to have it red flagged, correct? At least in at least not in those conditions where you can see it. Because on those conditions with the tires, he, like, Grant, he was using the, I think, extreme wets at that point. Yes. If he was using the tires at that point and he saw the tractor on the left side of him, he would not have been able to, like he was going, as Ben said, 115 close to that miles per hour. He would not have been able to just come to a complete stop or come out of the way. So a collision with that, that Mag 2 crashing into something that much would have been catastrophic. Yeah. Not only for uh, the racer, but the people inside the tractor as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that would have been absolutely tragic. Mm. Especially in those conditions, they just need to red flag it with – the limited visibility from the drivers along with the spray and all that when they have to take a full car and a driver off the track because of that. Yeah, they pr- they pretty much just called everything wrong in that race. They didn't let them go racing when they should have. They didn't stop them from racing when they needed to. And they awarded the wrong amount of points. So, good job, FIA. M- Michael Massey is spinning. Sounds like they the, just had a rough day. They did They've had a the, rough, the, yeah, rough the, season, honestly. Michael Massey would never. No. They're making NASCAR officiating look pretty good. No, let's calm, no, let's calm down there. No. <laughs> no, that's that's the point. They're terrible. Mm. But, yeah, that was just really scary just seeing Because that was the part when I was still up. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, why would you send a tractor out there with limited visibility? I get why they sent him out during, like, when it's, like, a yellow flag and it's, like, good conditions because they can see it coming up. But in a scenario where it's, like, you can't even see until it happens. Also, Pierre couldn't have been the only one that like got close to that tractor since it was – was he the only one that far back to have to catch up to the safety car, or what was the reasoning behind where I'm – he's the only one I heard complain really about – or worried about it. Yeah, so I think what was happening was uh, that was during the caution period. Right afterwards, it, had, it got red flagged. But during that short period of caution where they made, like, what, three laps, Pierre was – well behind the car and he wasn't the only person behind but the other cars weren't pushing as hard Pierre mm-hmm. knew that he had to get up with the with the safety car in case there was a safety car restart but the other drivers at the back of the field I think planned to pit um so he was pushing pretty hard to get up with the safety car and I don't think anybody else really was or the tractor was already through by the time they came through it was it's it was very chaotic and I don't didn't exactly follow the events the first time I watched it. I didn't even know that there was an incident until it was brought to my attention later in the race. But that's it's truly unacceptable what happened. Is it also unacceptable that a Formula One car who or excuse me, Formula One is a sport that has had so many great stories in the wet can't go out and race with wet tires nowadays? Does that not infuriate you, Ben? Yeah, that doesn't make me very pleased. I think I think we should go back to the way the tires were run in the 70s. You get one compound, which is a medium-ish tire, and you get wet tires. When it rains, you go out on wets, or you have to go out on slicks. One of the two. You have less options. You can do more changes if you want. I mean, there were people doing one stops. There were people doing three stops. It, I, I, think, I think there's too much consistency with 
or inconsistency, I should say, with the tire compounds and the wet, especially. It's hard as a rock. It sends the spray straight up and back onto the track, and it doesn't have any grip, and people hydroplane just the same as if they were on intermediates. So they just go to the intermediate tires so they can hydroplane and have faster times in the dry spots. It's The wet tire is broken. And also, the other thing of this, I'm actually not going off this a little bit. I'm actually surprised only two cars were retired after the first lap because that was a lot of spray. And that was something I like, after what it was at like Silverstone where all those cars went out, I'm thinking like, that's crazy that only two cars got out in the first lap, which is crazy. And Carlos Sainz found the gravel again, which is throwback. We haven't had, we've not had that in a few moments. Unfortunately. What do we think of the track, though, as a whole in the racing? Like, do we think Suzuka still deserves a spot on the calendar? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think so, yeah. For for sure. It's just so historical and still a great track. It's the only track that's figure eight, technically. And it'll still produce good racing. I mean, even Sunday it was still good racing. It was just brought down by the rulings. And uh, do y'all – We'll talk about that another day. I'll, I'll ask that another day. But uh, it's still a great track. I think Sebastian Vettel would come back if they tried to take Suzuka away just for that. I think so, too. I hope to see him doing something in authority at the FIA. I, I, I think he he could make racing better. He'd also be a good spokesperson for uh, environmental stuff that Formula One's trying to get not trying well which, enough, but trying to get involved which with. Which means they need to do their schedule better because yeah, I'm kidding. I mean, at that point, they just have to go all America, like do the America races like kind of in a row-ish. If that's they're trying okay. To do that. And that's okay. That's okay. You can cut down carbon waste by not flying people across the country after putting them in Miami. And so, then we don't have to have people go onto the Wellington Strait at Silverstone. If it oh, wasn't a flag... Gosh. That would have been a very bad scenario. Oh, so goodness, you see what they did today too. Those same protesting group, they threw a can of tomato soup at Vincent Van Gogh's sunflower painting. What? Mm-hmm. What? Because these people are nuts. Yeah, they thankfully had a piece of glass in front of it, but they threw a thing of tomato soup at it and glued their hand to like a wall. And they said, "If this painting's more priceless than our world, then I don't even know what it was." But craziness. that trumps the Timberwolves people. The chicken, <laughs> the chicken protests. Yeah. Oh, uh, the good times that was. That trumps the uh, hot dog eating protester. You know what I'm talking oh. about? A July Fourth. Oh my gosh. I know. I still think sitting on an active Formula One track is probably the craziest one. But that Gotta might be. just be me. Gotta be. Especially on a straight. And I can't imagine what kind of damage that could do to somebody. I mean, they were they just hoping that? Hey, I think these cars will be okay. To just see us coming like a blip away from a hundred yards and they'll just go into the grass or slow down and stop if it wasn't for a red flag. I mean, several people could die. Several oh, people. It would, yeah. they'd turn into like mist. That messed the car up really bad too. And I, I probably wouldn't be able to control it after I hit that. I'd, I'd end up going into the wall. Hmm. On a lighter note, people passed on the outside at Suzuka. And that was fun to watch. Mm, it was, yeah. <laughs> that, that new car is doing wonders. Yeah, down in the hairpin, uh, right under the bridge, was such a cool spot to watch people battle it out and go around the outside because that was the more grippy line, which is unusual because you know when you're 
when you're driving Suzuka in the dry, the hairpin, you don't you don't take the outside line unless you're really sending it. But they all took the outside line, and if you got forced on the inside, you wound up losing time, which is super cool to watch and kind of backwards. Uh, for a track that doesn't necessarily behold itself to overtaking, there were a lot of good passes and a lot of good fights. Mm-hmm. Well, you got something, Noah? Go. I was about to say, and you got to hand that to the car. The car's been so good this year. Mm. The new regulations and such have really pushed it. I agree. Mm-hmm. That might be the best thing that FIA has done in a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, no mean to rain on you guys' parade any, but we got to go to our next break. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the what's going on with the FIA and the cost budget thing. I don't even know what, what's going on. The it's cost just crazy. cap and scandal. The cost cap and scandal, as they've been named it. But we'll be right back. This is Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators, everybody. You're once again hanging out on a Friday afternoon here in Auburn, you know, at Auburn, in Auburn, Alabama. Sorry, with Noah Phillips, Ben McClurkin, and I'm Grace Blank. We're still hanging out. This back over there is Mr. Daniel Locke, before he heads out to his hometown of Helena, where he's going to cover the Auburn Tigers football game tomorrow. So very safe, early morning. Yes, safe travels and good luck to him on that. But now back to Formula One. It is time to talk about the news that his taken the the f1 world by storm the past week which is the budget cap this um drama with the fia and specifically red bull but also along those lines aston martin yep a lot of twitter beef right now and a lot of people commenting at sky sports for biased reporting and a lot of people commenting on the fia for ruining a championship and giving it to the wrong guy and are we talking about michael massey we're talking about right now <laughs> we're talking about joke. yeah no joke. but uh no you have any you have what could be or do you want me to say like what i'm trying to find right now or um yeah what, what are you trying to find so right now, red bull has been said to have had a minor breach of it which means they which is less than five percent overspend of i believe the 145 million dollar budget yeah yes. u.s dollars so under 5%, which I think could be anywhere between... It's a deduction of driver and constructor's championship points, suspension from one or more stages of, co- of a competition, limitations on ability to conduct aerodynamic or other testing, and reduction of the cost cap. If you were uh, to overspend by more than 5%, it would be a major, and that would mean deduction of even more driver's and constructor's points, Suspension from one or more is actually the exact same as minor, but I guess it just goes up. You also can get exclusion from the championship if you commit a major. Yeah, but they were found to be under 5%, and I think it was something around a million dollars over, which could easily have been what they spent in fixing one of their many crashed cars last season or replacing power units or something like that. I don't think it really gave them that much of an edge. I think that's what the FIA decided. But I also think rules is rules. But um, from the FIA's official website, um, Aston Martin Aramco Coings Formula One team is considered to be in a procedural breach of the financial regulations, and Oracle Red Bull Racing is considered to be in a procedural and minor overspend breaches of the financial regulations. From what I've been seeing on Twitter the past couple of days and from people um, in the F1 media, they don't believe that this would lead to a removal of Max Verstappen's 2021 um, uh, World Drivers Championship. 
I've been seeing people more lean towards the fact that this what they overspent could be deducted from next year's budget for Red Bull, along with a fine, of course, for them, and privileges taken away, I believe, left fewer days in the wind tunnels that each team has, is what I've been seeing is the most likely scenario, and I I do believe that's what probably will happen. I don't think they're it's, – it's not extreme enough to the point where they'd remove Max's title from last year, but you guys have any thoughts on that one? That seems fair. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it still went over, no matter what it was. It could have been catering. It could. That's that's the rumor. It's been. I, I saw a meme was like all this stuff stacked up, and then the race team was more, and then they moved it around a little bit, and so the catering was above the line. But <laughs> that was a funny meme. But in turn, do you think this will mean that next year, going into this, it's going to be much more strict when teams release their money spent for this year's financial regulations? I certainly hope so. I think there needs to be a – I think teams need to stop thinking they can do whatever they want. I think there needs to be a crackdown on the rules. And I think the FIA also needs to hold themselves to their own rules because if they're the – there's not – there's no such thing as a law if there's nobody to um, – what's the word? Enforce. Enforce, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you. Um and without without the enforcement of the rules on other teams or themselves, there's not really much of a governing body so much as a suggesting body. And I think that needs to change. Yeah, I mean, as me and Ben are really more Red Bull fans, I mean, it is a break of the rules. We admit that at the same time. And oh, y'all cheated. Just because because the prancing horses didn't get it done this year doesn't mean you get to take it out on me. Well, I can't help we follow the rules, all right? You follow the rules? Yes, we follow the rules. Okay. Mm. Okay. Just, just say you your. Follow the rules. Talk about 2021's fuel flow drama. Um. <laughs> yeah. The fifth. Ah. Uh, okay. Ah. Uh, uh, okay. For yeah. those of our for our international listeners, the fifth is the Fifth Amendment, which is the right to plead silent, which means he doesn't necessarily have to answer my question. Fair enough. I know what happened. We all know the truth. Do y'all think that pleading the fifth is basically? Saying you're guilty. Uh, yeah, yes. I think that's what it's become now in America, where that. But our international people don't really want to hear about that right now. They want to hear us talk Formula One. Um, but so I don't know what. Let's just go to Aston Martin real quick. I don't even know what they're gonna do to Aston Martin because they. What What are you gonna remove from the money? Chicken I mean, nuggets. Is that it? Are they For just, Lance Stroll. Are they? Just, <laughs> <laughs> are they just going to remove like money kind of like what's re- in the same retrospect as Red Bull but not like as much money and it's a lesser fine is that what we're thinking yeah I think I think um, Daddy Lawrence is going to have to tell Lance that he's getting no chicken tendies at McDonald's after the race <laughs> you, you mean number one driver Lance Stroll with future teammate Fernando Alonso oh yeah <laughs> I, I also think Fernando Alonso may have to stop Putting his Kimoa branding on green things because it will be very ugly. Hmm. But in terms of like, I don't, I don't know why the, the FIA didn't release the penalties at the same time as the the ruling, which seems crazy to me. They wanted they, to build suspense, of course. They just wanted to. Um, I mean, they delayed it by a week from releasing the original findings, and then they come back in a week and say, "Hey, Red Bull is in a minor breach." And we don't have the penalties yet for it, so I don't know why they would do that. And just they knew they knew what the penalties were going to be before they released it. But I guess what Ben said is, are they going to release it during the United States Grand Prix, which is a market that Formula One still really trying to capitalize on? 
I really hope not. The FIA should act like a governing body and not cater to entertaining people with delayed decisions. If they know what they're going to do, just say it. Don't don't make us wait and wonder if there's going to be a world championship stripped away, if there's going to be penalties on points, that kind of thing. I think that's just like if you got your decision, stand by it. Go with it. I just wonder if there's not any, like, extra paper trails they have to jump over in order to get this stuff uh, fully pushed out there, even though they are already But they're the FIA. They're the power. They don't have to go through anyone. Yeah, but they still got to, like, tell the teams and get the press releases correct and make sure the press gets a good interview, stuff like that. And not put out the news on Twitter, maybe? Well, you know, it'll find its way to Twitter. Which Ben's, the, Ben's found his way back to Twitter. and I have. I'm back, people. The first thing we got was in our group chat the other day. He's talking about, why are people so being so mean to Christian Horner? Me and Noah were just like probably laughing in our heads like, yeah. oh, yeah. this man doesn't know the half of it yet. Yeah, there is a lot of slander going on between Red Bull fans and and Mercedes fans and Ferrari fans and Mercedes fans and Red Bull fans and Aston Martin fans. Can we just all get along? <laughs> Please, can we all just get along? We live in a society. And yet we live in one. Hmm. Philosophical mm. Noah. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Philosopher Noah. With my tracksuit on. Daniel, as a known Mercedes fan, how does this news really affect you? Um, You know, it just kind of makes me wish that everyone could get along. Hmm. Good idea. Yeah, we have we have the big three teams represented. Griggs is a big Red Bull fan. Noah's a big Ferrari fan, and Daniel's a big Mercedes fan. I like to put myself somewhere in the middle, but I'm not really. I'm kind of biased. Unbiased me. media, right there. C- claps up to Ben for that one. Yeah. Yes, we are so, an unbiased podcast. We, we like to represent. We like to represent mm. all. Sides. Oh no! Don't don't say Haas because then Daniel Daniel has been kind of been proven correct about Haas after. Once we yeah. went on once we went on summer break, Haas is like kind of doing actually well, and then once. Um, summer break started. Daniel's been kind of correct in his Haas takes, besides Mick scoring points that won those two races. So, Daniel, any thoughts on that and that you were correct about Haas not being that good? Well, I mean, if on the first episode of Drive to Survive in the biggest year you're ever going to have, you lose both of your drivers within one lap, I just think you're failures. So, Red Bull and, and Red Bull, the, I mean, Red Bull did have that happen too, but yeah, they well, did. Red Bull's bounced back. Has Haas bounced back? I mean, they've been almost. I mean, 2019 <laughs> and 2020 scoring no points, and then this year scoring points. Eh, maybe, but we can't. Uh, we have to support Haas. They're the only American team we got until Andretti takes them over. I'll support American. them in NASCAR. Hmm. Oh, Harrison Tarr will like that one. He's a he'll send me all that Haas NASCAR stuff. When I said when I saw that uh, Haas race driver won in that, who was it? Kevin Harvick. Yeah, uh, Kevin Harvick. Yeah, he won in uh, NASCAR, and I'm like, he's sending me all this Haas NASCAR stuff now, and I'm like. I was just agreeing about because I saw Haas and I was thinking F1 not, but that was funny anyway. That's hey, Briscoe also is in the uh, top eight in playoffs, man. That 14 that Stewart used to drive, man. <laughs> Woo! Mm. Yeah, let's let's not talk about Tony Stewart too much, eh? Oh, hey, 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 hey oh, oh, oh. You, bring, uh, you bring up those protesters. You stay out of t- you stay you stay oh, no. yeah. <laughs> you stay out of his way when he's driving down the track. I'll tell oh, you yeah. that much. You don't, yeah, yeah. You don't interfere uh, with that. I bet he drives a Mustang. Hmm. Yeah, he does because Ford pays him to drive a Mustang. Thanks he also has the same beat up Ford Explorer he got on his 16th birthday. Hmm. He doesn't crowd get, control. Doesn't let the fame get to him. I like that. 
But we're getting near the end of this segment. Let's just cut the break early so we can start our next segment early. But when we come back, we're talking about the driver market, and we've been right a little bit. Well, been mostly, but still a lot going on in that. When we come back, this is Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome into the Smooth Operators podcast. I am your host, Ben McClurkin, alongside my other host, Griggs Blankenberg and Noah Phillips. And we are here today to talk, obviously, about the wide world of Formula One and the slightly less wide world of driver transfers. Well, it's starting to slow down finally. And uh, I'd like to say our predictions have aged quite well. I mean, they have aged quite well. I mean, still, we are now finally down to two remaining spots left open after last week. Credit to ben, Mr. Ben McClurk, and his prediction was correct. Thank you. On, on thinking oh, you, a little while ago in the show, thinking that the possibility of an all-French team at Alpine with uh, Pierre Gasly was a possibility. And I'm hyped. He ended up proving to be correct, so we give credit where credit is due here on Smooth Operators. And also happening since then, which I didn't really expect too much, was... Nick DeFries scoring points in his Formula One debut for Williams back in, what was it, um, Singapore? Or was it uh, Monza. Monza. Monza? Monza, yes, Monza. And Monza has a seat next year at AlphaTauri along with uh, Yuki Tsunoda, who is back on a one-year deal for the Red Bull junior team. But now we only have two spots left, one at Haas and one at Williams. With only four races to go, you imagine these are going to be filled within – the next couple of weeks, because they can't have an open spot going into the winter break. There's no chance. No, no and they don't want an open spot going into the winter break. I think, first and foremost, I do think Haas will re-sign Mick. Hmm. And if they don't, I will cry. <laughs> but I, I think it's the decision that makes the most sense, especially with uh, Nick going to uh, AlphaTauri now. Even even with – I mean, Ben's been a big person talking about maybe potentially Nico Hulkenberg going to Haas. But I'm trying to think, like – You guys. <laughs> don't pat yourself on the back too much. But am I – I feel like Mick would be – he's got potential, I think. He's never going to be his dad. People need to accept that. I hope people do. But, I mean, he's finally had a comp- – we already said Haas was already on the – thinking about 2021 – or 2022 after the first race of the 2021 uh, season last year. Yeah, they quit developing their car very early in the season. And he scored points. And Haas, it was just a tale of two halves of the season for Haas, really, because those first couple, like, first five, six races, they were doing great. Mm, well said. And they've been pretty decent in qualifying all year, really, for the most part. And now it's just not been able to perform. And I don't know how much you put on that on Mick. I don't know how much you put on that on K-Mag or – the team, it's just, I don't know, they've been a letdown after they were a pretty big shock to start the season. Yeah, and I think some of it, actually a large part of it, comes down to Mick's um, newness to racing at the highest level of motorsport, and I think a lot of it also comes down to just a lack of reliability and consistency with the car. Like you said, it's a tale of two hosses. Like either mm, oh, I like that. Uh, you said oh, it. You ooh, said it. Ooh. I don't even think I meant to say that, but wow. It's, yes, I'm, it's very well said. Um, but on Saturday, you'll show up and the car will be a brick. And then Sunday, the car will be a slightly lighter brick. Uh, a brick with wheels. Yeah, and then it'll move up the field. But what what I've seen is a lot of disparity between about the summer break and now. And I think a lot of that comes down to 
the pressure mounting on Mick, but also, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. Kevin has been doing just as well recently as Mick has, maybe a little bit better, but he also has a large amount more experience. I think he's just a kid, you know? Yeah. But kids only get so many chances in Formula One. That's the sad thing. Yeah. And he's only his second year, too. But, I mean, he'll obviously have, like, a reserve spot or something like that next year. Like, we're not going to hear the end of Mick, no matter what. But the thing is, like, for a team that started off so well, they are now tied in eighth. They're tied – they're now tied for eighth place with AlphaTauri at 34 – that's honestly crazy. AlphaTauri right now is in ninth, tied with eighth for Haas with four races to go for eighth and ninth in the constructors. And Williams, barring a miracle, is going to finish in last. Yeah. But that's too disappointing like for Haas and AlphaTauri, both teams that were thought to be, at least at the start of the year, more in the midfield-esque competition. Yeah, and they looked, they looked very good originally. And I think the AlphaTauri's upgrades – while impressive at the beginning, have kind of fallen behind. Along with Haas, Haas hasn't really done much to change the car at all, now that I think about it. The the aerodynamic philosophy has stayed the same. Um, just every single part besides the side vents, which were added by Australia, I think is the same. I think it has been, too. I mean, they talked about, I can't remember which race it was. I think it was maybe Canada, where they only gave K-Mag the, um, the, upgrade, uh, package? the upgrade package. Yeah. And then they saved it for Mick. So I don't. I don't know. Haas has just been interesting, man. 34 points. I mean, if you show this to Haas, I think they're still better than last year because they, when they scored zero points in the entire the last two seasons. But then this year they have 34 and they potentially could finish in eighth, which is kind of wild that a, one of these bottom teams has this many points, really. It is. Compared to the I, last couple of years. I think the distribution of points has been a lot more even, even though Red Bull has pretty much walked the championship because there wasn't – it wasn't just a top three – and then everybody else at the start of the season. It is now. We'll just let's just clear that out of the out of the conversation. It definitely is now a big three and then the best of the rest. But right at the start, I mean, you saw Mercedes running P seven, P eight. And Haas P five, P six, P nine, stuff like that. And, and now the, the the consistency of Mercedes has really shown through and the inconsistencies of the rest of the teams have also shown through so i think it's really it's been good to watch the diversity of the field at the beginning that was very entertaining but now it's kind of spread out again yeah any thoughts on that one for you noah i mean at the end of the day you're still a bottom feeder team Mm -hmm. if you're hoss the points can be spread out no matter how but you got to make that car better and having a young driver i think is going to help you because he's a lot more alert to these kinds of things and how you're changing. Well, I'll take that back. I think you do would like an older guy in that seat that can tell you what exactly on the car needs to be changed, but hmm. you're still going to want somebody that's fast. No matter how good ca- car's set up, you still got to be fast. I mean, there's still a chance they could, I mean, chance, I mean, very low percentage. They could finish anywhere from between 6th and 10th, which I don't think they're going to finish 10th, and I don't think they're going to finish 6th, but I mean, they're only they're 11 points behind Aston Martin, so they're a good weekend and a few mishaps away from. I mean, Formula One like that is crazy, where anything really can happen in that regard. Anything. I mean, I mean, Haas got P5 in Bahrain for goodness sakes. That was incredible. After not scoring points for two years, but then let's go to Williams real quickly before we have to leave our lovely viewer uh, listeners until next week. But Williams, so Alex Albon is right now the only driver at Williams. What have we really been hearing about that? 
in terms of they could it be sergeant or they could they bring in someone with actual F1 experience? Yeah, so it definitely is looking good for Logan Sargent. I also think it could be looking good for um, the F2 champion winner. What's his name? I'm so bad at remembering this, but he was looking good. Um, other guys in the Williams Academy, um, Liam Lawson, and yeah, I think I think it's kind of between Lawson and Sargent. I don't know if Sargent's proven enough necessarily. I mean, he's not leading every single race by any means, but you know, no one really is an F two. It's all over the place. Um, who won? Um, um, the Brazilian kid, um, Felipe yeah. Drogovic. Drogovic, that's right. Mm-hmm. Felipe Drogovic. He who did, who is he? He is up racing with for. Um, he was. Was he with Prema? Um, I'm I trying to look. With Prema. I've not really looked at this. Uh, MT Mo- MP Motorsport. MP Motorsport. Okay. So, yeah. And do you know if he has any uh, associations in the F1 paddock? I do not know. Um, I can't. I'm not seeing really anything that will point me to believe in that. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Where, But he won, and F2 champions usually in the past have had a shot to go be, whether it be a reserve driver or drive immediately right after. Mm-hmm. And if the con- current trend continues in that regard. Mm-hmm. No, who would you like to see, Williams, Noah? Uh, that's a heck of a question, Griggs. Uh, I think they could put anybody in there, and that it'd still probably get less than – how many points they got? Eight? They got eight. They could put anybody in there. They might get ten. I think I'd still like to see Nicholas Latifi in there. Mm-hmm. You know, he got one point for him. Meme two, actually. Two. two. Two, my bad. Yeah, two, two. Two, dear listener, two. Mm-hmm. At Abu Dhabi, can we, everyone listening, spam Latifi for driver of the day? It, if you feel like it. If you feel if like you it. If you feel like it. If you feel like it, yes. Well, also, we have to be thinking about, like, also for driver of the day, we have Vettel, we have Ricardo, and we have Latifi. Hmm. So it's going to be a real pick and choose on driver of the day. Dear but, listener, do the ultimate meme. Vote for Lewis Hamilton. If you feel like it. If you, if feel, you feel, feel like, like it. it. <laughs> I mean, that, if Lewis can win one thing this year, it's that. If he can, mm. win, if he can win one race the uh, the year, it would be Abu Dhabi. Some Mercedes slander. Um, <laughs> to wrap it up. Um, so let's go to one more thing real quick before we go. Um, so is it basically just already assumed that we're not going to be seeing Mr. Ricardo next year? Because I sad. think that's what's becoming more likely. And we're not going to see him on the grid. Yeah, and my question is, will we ever really see him again for a full season? Because with the contracts we were talking about that opened up next year, with I, he's not going to go to Mercedes and replace Lewis if Lewis decides to retire. I don't think he'll go to Ferrari when Carlos signs his contract is up. He definitely will not be going to AlphaTauri to replace Yuki. Yeah, he won't be going there. I can't see him at a Williams. I can't see him at a Haas. Eh, I don't know. With the whole thing with Aston Martin's really kind of messed up my brain in that regards where they will pay these drivers to come there that much. So I'm thinking bottom teams. I'm thinking, well, Aston Martin could do it. But then I have to think, what? No, this doesn't usually happen. Yeah. So I don't know. It's sad. I think he'll race somewhere. I mean, he'd be cool in NASCAR. Maybe. Eh, he'd maybe, be great in maybe, NASCAR. Maybe IndyCar. I don't know. But He'd do better than Grosjean in IndyCar. Whoa, he was doing okay. He, he did what, all right. P8? Yeah. yeah. That's fine in IndyCar. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, sure. But 
unfortunately on that note this has been we have to end another episode of Smooth Libraries. we've had a lot of fun here today it's been folks too soon if you missed any of the po- uh, the show today you can check it out on the podcast later after the show airs but for Ben McClurkin Noah Phillips I'm Griggs Blankenberg thank you for listening see you next week this has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 9.1 FM War Eagle that's all we have today for Smooth Operators Weagle's exclusive F1 show in case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. till next time this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM